0: Hi, everyone. Wynn Claybaugh here. Have you ever met someone who became an instant best friend? That's what happened with this next guest. I literally met Kathy Buckley about five minutes before we started this interview, and we immediately clicked. Today, she is one of my closest friends, a wonderful aunt to my little daughter, and one of my favorite people in the world. I've been honored to share the stage with her over a hundred times over the past several years. She's warm, kind, genuine, and one of the most hilarious people you could ever meet. If you enjoy this interview as much as I know you will, please take a minute to share it with your friends and sign up for our mailing list at www.masterspodcastclub.com. But first, grab a tissue, get ready to laugh and cry, and be inspired by the amazing Kathy Buckley. Hi everybody. This is Win Claybaugh. Welcome to this issue of Masters. And I met this woman literally five minutes ago. And uh, of course, as I walk up to her home, she screams at me from the street, and then hugs me for the, a very long time. The second I make it to her porch, and uh, here I'm setting up and just having the time of my life. And I know that our listeners are going to absolutely love, love, love this time that we have today with Kathy Buckley. Kathy, welcome to Masters.
1: Yes, yeah, I'm so excited. <laughs>
0: Okay, I probably have more notes because I wanted to get this right in preparing for this interview. um, I have to tell you, my niece Allison saw you speak uh, in Salt Lake City and you just blew her away. And she's known that I've had this company for so long and I've interviewed some pretty amazing people, including uh, your good friend Lisa Gibbons and Larry King and all kinds of wonderful people. And knowing that I had this company, she contacted me and said, you have to track this woman down. You have to interview her. And you were so gracious, you immediately said yes. I don't think you even knew who I was, but you just said yes.
1: Okay, that so we can get a good message out and help people change their lives and touch their hearts. I'm on it.
0: Well, I, okay, I'm going to read this. And I. it took me a long time to go through your bio, your website, uh, your book, because I wanted to make sure that I got it right. So I'm reading this, so bear with me, because you need to know Uh, And this is just the tip of the iceberg. So Kathy Buckley is a a comedian, award-winning actress, accomplished author, a renowned inspirational speaker. You were billed as America's first hearing-impaired comedian. Uh, You're a a five-time American Comedy Award nominee as Best Stand-Up Female Comedian. As an actress, you are known for guest appearances in shows such as Touched by an Angel, You had a critically acclaimed one-woman off-Broadway show called Don't Buck With Me. Yeah. I love that. (laughs) Uh, As a motivational speaker, you inspire hundreds of thousands of people around the world uh, sharing your story. Obviously, with dignity and courage and and using humor as a teaching tool, which, you know, we love that. You wrote an amazing book called If You Could Hear What I See, which I'm going to get copies of that book today. So when you're not looking, I'm going to steal a few. You have an original PBS special, No Labels, No Limits. Uh, You received several awards as both writer and executive producer. Highly acclaimed autobiography, theater play, Now Hear This, had its off-Broadway premiere at a theater in New York. Uh, Then you moved on to Los Angeles where you received more awards including, I love this one, Los Angeles Entertainment Industries Coveted Media Access Award as Best Play of the Year. As a comedian, you won 4th place out of over 80 comedians and soon began touring the U.S. playing major major comedy venues including Carolines in New York City, Catch a Rising Star in Las Vegas, The Improv in Los Angeles, The Comedy Store, and Laugh Factory in Hollywood. You have appeared on programs such as The Tonight Show, The Today Show, Good Morning America, CBS This Morning, Entertainment Tonight, Extra, Inside Edition, Turner Entertainment, and it just goes on and on. You've been featured in several national magazines, including People Magazine, as one of their most touching stories of 1997. You have appeared on shows such as Stand Up Spotlight on VH1, Comedy Strict Live on Fox, Evening at the Improv on A&E, and Caroline's Comedy Hour, also on A&E. You're also very, very philanthropic in several organizations that you have been involved in, uh, see that award that you have up there with City of Hope. You have had your own story with cancer and and a hundred other stories. And so, Kathy, I just can't tell you what an honor it is, and, and especially just walking into your home, because oftentimes I'm honored meeting people, but just... How you made me feel the second I walked in here and into your presence truly makes this a special day for me. So thanks, here, sweetheart. You?
1: I was scared of you. You wrote that book. Be nice or else. You scared the heck out of me. <laughs> nice stuff. It's not easy for me.
0: I also told her before we started recording that, you know, we edit these, you know, to make sure that it sounds clear, you know. So I told her, hey, if you mispronounce a word, and she's like, I'm hearing impaired. I have speech
1: I'm- impediment. Yeah, okay. You're <laughs> going to be editing until you're blue in the face. You're going to end up with what, two seconds of a film? <laughs>
0: I, I just love this. But you were actually, it wasn't until you were two years old before you were even diagnosed as being uh, hearing impaired, correct? I was eight. You were eight before they knew that? I was
1: eight years old before they found out I had a hearing loss. I was in school for retardation for several years before they found out I had the hearing loss. And I was eight years old, and that was a long time to go without language. Because without language, you can't protect yourself, you can't communicate, you don't know what love is and all that. So, I was in the school for retardation for two years before they found out it was just a hearing loss and they called me slow.
0: (laughs) So, what was your life like up until that time, until you were eight years old? If
1: you really think about it, in that school back then, we won't say how old I am, you will have to add the numbers up for yourself. But in that school back then, they didn't have like special school for deaf, and and you know, it was all kids with disabilities. So, when I was in that school with the kids that had mentally challenged, I looked really smart. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: I, you were top of your class I there. I
1: really was. It was the only time I was the top of my class. <laughs> but we had, the thing was, in that school, among those kids, there were no judgments passed. Mm. And in that school, it wasn't what you couldn't do, but what you could do. Mm. And it wasn't the value of words and communication, but what your heart had to say. Mm. So if somebody could have that, can you imagine a world where people didn't pass judgment, well, people just focus on what you could do instead of focusing on what's not there. That I have yet to figure that out, Why right? People focus on things that are not there is amazing. Right. But more importantly, can you imagine being able to communicate without words and knowing what's in somebody's heart? Because I think emotion is probably one of the hardest things in the world to communicate and hmm. to words. You really can't, even if you love somebody so much, it's like you want to crawl under their skin. There's no words to say how much I love you. You know, and it's just no words. I love you with nothing. So there's just the communication, but knowing how much that person loves you, that's a gift. So I got to have that for a few years of my life, and and that's a blessing.
0: At what point did you realize that that was a blessing? I'm sure at eight years old you weren't thinking that this was a blessing.
1: Well, at eight years old it wasn't so bad because half of the kids didn't know I was going through their lunches. (laughs) I love Oreo cookies. What can I say? Milk and Oreo cookies. Yes. No, at eight years old, I was confused. I was confused. I was lost, especially in my own home, because the communication wasn't there for me. My eyes were probably bigger than my head half of the time. Uh, My brother caught on to the fact that something was not right with me, And um, he figured out that if he breaks something, all he had to do was point to me. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And it was like, Kathy got it. And I'm like, so now I got to the point where now I'm learning to duck, even when I didn't have to duck. Right. But it's amazing. You find ways to survive.
0: In your book, you talk about the first time that you heard an audience laugh. Yes. Can you explain that?
1: It's hard to explain that because, like I said earlier... There's just some emotions you can't put into words, Uh but, um, wow, it was a time of acceptance for me. I spent my whole life being judged by hearing people and thinking I'm not good enough and I'm not worthy. And here I put myself in front of 200 hearing people, 250 hearing people, doing something I knew nothing about, stand-up comedy. And I really couldn't hear the laughter because I didn't have the hearing aids that I have today when I started, but I could feel the vibration from the floor, and I'd play off faces that I could see, and if I saw a face I didn't like, I'd move on to another face. It was total acceptance. I, I cried. I was on stage, and I, I heard the laughter, and they scared me. Wow. And then I tell the joke, and they laugh again, and I'm like, oh my God, this is a give and take.
0: At that time did people know it was okay for them to laugh? Or was, was your audience uncomfortable? And
1: No, nobody was oh. uncomfortable. It wow. was just the noise was new to me. Wow. you, you got to remember, when you have a hearing loss and you go into a comedy club, I don't get a lot of comedy because I take things very literally.
2: Right.
1: And that's part of the challenge that I get. So, you know, you see somebody on stage going, Hey, man, what's with the Indian people and the red dot on their forehead? What's that for, target process? Hey, 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 that's not funny. They need that dot. Right. And I would get all upset. Right. So I didn't find the humor in a lot of things. And Robin Williams, so I went home and I rented videos. Robin Williams has the fastest lips I've ever seen in my life.
0: How do you read that?
1: You don't, honey. <laughs> okay. I had to go to Evelyn Wood
0: speed lip reading class. <laughs> okay.
1: So you just learn, you know. It's amazing. I have a life that I could not have dreamed because I didn't know it exists.
0: Right. I heard it once said that according to the book of lists, the number one fear is public speaking, yeah. and the number two fear is death by fire.
1: Oh, is it death by fire? <laughs> yeah, so
0: you can imagine just stand up in front of an audience how how you must feel, you and yet a
1: fireplace that would really screw you
0: up. <laughs> well, how did you ever get the nerve? First of all, to be there was nobody else blazing that trail before you yeah. who had done. A, a hearing-impaired comedian, nobody had ever done that before. How did you ever get the courage to do that?
1: Well, it's one thing I'm going to teach you about life. If somebody tells you to do something or gives you a suggestion, right. that's nice. But if you hear the suggestion more than once, you better listen. Okay. So several people were saying, see, I was a massage exercise therapist, and I found that laughter was my best medicine and healing. But several people said, you should do this comedy contest. You should do this comedy contest. And I'm saying, I ain't going to do no, what the hell is a comedy contest? What's comedy? I don't understand it. And then it was to help raise money for children to cerebral palsy. Okay. And I love kids. Right. And I thought, oh, well, okay, three people had suggested it. Two people brought me the article. Said, all right, it's for the kid. Time to listen. You know, it's time to listen. And I was scared because I really had no idea what I was getting involved in. And I couldn't educate myself on it because back then the videos were not closed captioned. So I sat in front of the TV crying, going, why am I trying to learn something that's impossible for me? Hmm. And then I thought, you know what, it's for the kids. So if I make a fool out of myself, it won't be the first or last time, you know. And so I just kept going with it and I said, you know what, I can talk about being six foot tall, flat chested, having a hearing loss. Damn, I got plenty of material here. <laughs> and and I went with it. And I just kept going, it's for the kids, it's for the kids. And that night I was so scared. You know what I was afraid of? Right. I wouldn't hear them call my name on the stage. I drove the producer quick. Did they call me yet? Did they call me yet? Did they call me yet? That guy was ready to hang me somewhere. Right. And I thought, and I was talking to everybody. It was like, hey, so how long have you been doing comedy? Three years? uh, Excuse me? I thought it was amateur night. How long are you doing comedy? And they said, 10 years. I'm going, what the heck am I doing here? I was pacing back and forth outside the club going, what am I doing? Father, please, tell me what to do. And as soon as the guy came out to get me, he goes, they're calling you. Well, how would I know? (laughs) And I start walking toward the audience. And when I tell you, it was like a blanket fell on me of faith. Hmm. And I went up on the stage, I stood in front of 250 people, and I shared my story.
2: Hmm.
1: And then I ended up finding out that when you won that night, I won that contest. Oh, wow. And what I found out is if you win that contest, you had to go to the semifinals.
0: So you had to do which this again.
1: More jokes! <laughs> and that's how I ended up placing fourth out of 80 comedians who've been in the business from 3 to 10 years, and I was in it only for the two weeks. Wow. So there's an no old saying, you want to make God laugh? Tell him your plans.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You've been to quite a few other things, too. Uh, tell us about your experience on the beach one day.
1: Oh, I was laying on a beach sunbathing, and... Um, I don't hear music very well,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: I had a girlfriend who loved music. Okay. And what she would do is she would put my back up against the speaker of the stereo, and she would sing the song, and I could feel the vibration. And I would lip read her to try to imitate the song. And I went to the beach, I always took a radio with me so I'd look like everybody else. <laughs> I'm bopping around, I didn't even know it wasn't on. <laughs>
0: What okay. an actress, you know. Right, right. Always
1: trying to find a place to fit in society. Um, I right. was always trying to make myself look like, hey, I'm hiding this secret. Nobody knows about it. That I can't hear, including me. I don't even know about it. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting on the beach, and I was laying on the beach, and I never forget this because I saw the jeep, the lifeguard jeep, running around on the beach, and I thought to myself, my gosh, the way that jeep is running around, someone's liable to get run over. Never thought it was gonna be me. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, I heard this song, Billy, Don't Be a Hero. Do you remember that song? Oh, yeah. Billy, yeah. don't be a hero.
0: That and song? now you sing.
1: Yeah, and I do. I caught okay. myself through a balloon. Oh. So I'm, that song came on, and it reminded me of April singing the song. So I laid there for a couple of minutes, and then all of a sudden, I felt all oh, this pressure and blood on my face, hmm. my chest, my back. And so somebody called her to tell her she ran me over, so she came back and finished the job. <laughs> So I was laid up for about five years, in and out of a wheelchair for two and a half years. Five years. Yeah. Recover you. Yeah. Wow. And they said I'd never walk again, and I figured I didn't hear them. I got up and I left.
0: (laughs) You have a lot of advantages to this. uh Oh,
1: yeah. Life is good. (laughs) It's all in how you want to look at it, honey. It's all your choice. It's your vocabulary that makes you a happy person or a sad person. It's totally up to you.
0: And that wasn't the last of... uh your battles, nor will it probably be your last. Uh, there was one other one that I that I read there about.
1: Several of them, <laughs> but um, yeah, I died at the scene of that accident.
0: Did you really? Yeah,
1: I saw life after death. At least I believe I did. You know. Um, I want to write a
0: book called uh, "Wishful Thinking," and it will be a collection of stories of people who have had those types of experiences. Because I like what you just said, that you believe that you did. And so some people will say, oh, that was just wishful thinking. Well, all of life is wishful thinking. So the fact yeah. that you believe that it happened, for people to add value to something that maybe other people won't believe it, but you believe it, and it has value for you.
1: It that does, that, and it changed my life immensely. Hmm. Because, you see, I spent the first 20 years of my life looking for three things that would love, warmth, and acceptance. And when I died, I got a love mm. It's out of this world. I mean, a warmth and knowing that I am totally protected mm. and accepted. Accepted. As I am. Mm. Totally as I am. And then I was given a fourth gift that no one had given me in my first 20 years of my life. And that was the gift of choice. Something, someone loved me so much to let me make the decision as to whether I was going to go or stay. I just got run over by Jeep, jeeps. So I don't know if I was thinking too clearly. <laughs> but I've never regretted the choice. Mm. And the thing that I loved about that experience, I never knew a love like that. And I like to believe that when I came back, I brought it back with me. Mm. And I want the whole world to see that love. I know I can't give it the way it was given to me, but I want to love as many people as I can while I'm here unconditionally because I know for sure, for a fact, that no one out there is junk. Everyone has something to contribute. Everyone has a gift within them. They just need to focus within themselves instead of looking to find a way to fit in a nasty society sometimes in the environment.
0: Today is one of those days that I wish this were a video. Because first of all, if people could see your emotion right now,
2: yeah. I
0: think you're just a big boob and you, this is the third time you've cried and we just barely started. Yeah. Second of all, if I had a camera to kind of just show people the room that we're sitting in right now. In fact, when we walked in, you have a wall full of photos. And you said, hey, when those are my kids.
1: Those are my babies.
0: Those are your babies. And yeah. uh, you know, just people that you... Uh, I've
1: met all over the world. Parents that have called me from watching me on television. I met a woman. She called me. It was so funny. She called me. She said, my daughter's deaf. And I said, I have nothing to do with it.
2: <laughs> so it's not my fault. <laughs> now,
1: don't be getting mad at me, Missy. But I got this long letter, and she was really worried, and, you know, people get into a fear mode when something's different in their life. There's nothing wrong with a child with a disability. You just got to find out what their accessibility is, so they can move on forward. Okay. And um, so she went into a panic, and I told her, I said, look, I'm going to be in New York. You live in New Jersey. Let me finish my job in New York, and I'll come and visit your family, and let's see what we got to work with. Okay. And then I traveled around to find out what the schools were in her area.
2: Hmm.
1: You know... If you take time, you can make a difference in someone's life, and it doesn't take a whole lot. All you do, I like to look at myself as a gardener. I plant the seed. I give you the seed. You plant it, you nurse it, you water it, and you see what you get. Mm. Or God will take care of it for you. Mm. So I just went up there, and Becca, wow, what a wild baby she was. She was all over the place. How old was she? She was three when I met her. And her mother became the most incredible advocate for her daughter. Mm-hmm. And when she was 17 in high school, she ended up being the beauty of Beauty and the Beast play. Are you serious? Yeah. My kids can do anything. Are and you serious? Things. Yes. Yes. My boy... I
0: have goosebumps. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> my,
1: my boy, Jordan, the one with the red hair up there, he, um, he, I met him when he was five, and he was profoundly deaf. And his mother became a great advocate, and he just got accepted into Caltech. Wow. So my boy who's in Florida now lives next to me. Hmm. Life is good. Life is good. It is. It's precious.
0: Wow. And there's something really cool about... I mean, you, you obviously... You have a name. You have a celebrity. You have uh, influence. And what you do with that is just incredible. And sometimes all it takes is probably a little phone call from you or a little note to somebody. And, and, and that alone, because of who you are and the name that you have and people recognize you and acknowledge you. And um, I don't... Something yeah. so simple makes such a difference, though.
1: Yeah, I don't look at me as a celebrity. I, I just see myself as an opportunity to make a difference. Wow. And if the celebrity-ness of it, the one thing about having a voice, and if you have a voice, by all means use it. Don't be selfish with it.
2: Right.
1: You know, people say, oh, my family, my family, my family. This whole world is a family. Hmm. Open your doors. Open your arms. Let people in. Nobody has to be alone. You don't count on just your family. I, my whole neighborhood is my family. Mm-hmm. I am so blessed to be loved unconditionally by my neighbors.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, we pass out food, we go to each other, everything. I mean, in the summertime, they're all in my pool. I have a little pool where they all get out. Right. <laughs> Life is great.
0: And sometimes they say that the only time that you ever meet your neighbors is if there's a fire yeah. in the neighborhood. and that's. Yeah. No,
1: we call each other. We check on each other. You know, I mm-hmm. travel a lot. And, and I have like, what? Six, seven keys to people's homes here.
0: Right.
1: You wanna go looking around? <laughs>
0: they're all they're all at work Let's right all now. All we all can go. Work. Let's
1: go. Let's go, party.
0: So, how do you find humor and after going through such major, major tragedies that for some people would basically kind of be the end of of life, uh, literally or figuratively?
1: I think you find the humor in stupidity, in uh, ignorance. You find the humor in. Realizing that this life is not as serious as we tend to make it.
2: Hmm.
1: I really believe that this earth is God's playground. And it's how well we get along here is how good our life can be. You know, that's my belief. And so, I just find the humor in the silliest things. I mean, people are funny.
0: But have you always been that way? Or did you have to teach yourself to be that way? Or does somebody teach
1: you? No, -uh. I think it's a gift. I'm not going to say I went to class to learn to be funny or find the humor in tragedy. It's a survival mechanism. I think when I was little, when I was in high school, you know, you go through that peer pressure and all that. It's funny because I never saw myself as funny, but when I went to my class reunion, everybody goes, oh my God, you were hysterical. I go, how could that be? But I remember I did the talking so I wouldn't have to do the listening. So I wouldn't look stupid.
0: But I have to ask the question. So do you have to be looking at me to understand what I'm saying or your hearing aids work well enough that you can...
1: We're, we're in a quiet environment right now. I'm okay. not hearing it pick up your voice. And you have a really good, strong voice. Oh,
0: anyway, really? I've yeah. never heard that before. Yeah. For Usu- me. Usually, people are telling me to. You're too loud. <laughs> okay. But that works for you and I. We were meant to be.
1: Uh, hello? <laughs> Where
0: What's have you been so on my life? <laughs> so, in this environment, which is the two of us, your hearing aid would pick up my voice. Yes. But when you're in with a crowd of people, you need to be watching people and well, reading their... Well, I still their-
1: need the lip, read lip reading because lip-reading is like... I don't trust my hearing aid because you've okay. got to remember, I went through years without... My brain is not, has not registered to listen to separate words and sounds. Okay. So if we're in a gathering with a lot of background noise, I can't pick up your voice, so I would have to totally count on lip-reading because the background noise will pick up my hearing before your voice.
0: Okay. Now, at what point did you... And again, you have had a huge career as a comedian. You have played the best venues. Um, You have been on the best TV shows, uh, comedy shows, Mm -hmm. as well as your appearance on The Tonight Show. Who was the host?
1: Jay. Jay Leno. Uh,
0: What was that like?
1: That was awesome. Jay was awesome. I just got brand new hearing aids. I knew Jay. So when I got on the stage, he took me to the stage before the audience got in there. Okay. So that I can get a feel of the stage. And we also had to adjust my hearing aid because there's a lot of equipment in the studio. Got it. So um, we went out there. So it's so funny because I went out there. I had curlers in my hair, no makeup. And here there's people in there. (laughs) I said, look, I'll get better. Believe me, I'll be better. (laughs) It was a wonderful experience. And Jay is just a wonderful, wonderful human being. Very compassionate man.
0: Well, as long as we're talking about it, where are some of the other favorite moments and memories of entertainment or tv work or uh, meeting different celebrities um, but before we started recording we realized that we both know lisa gibbons and so we jumped on the phone and we both said hi to lisa
1: that was awesome
0: that's what i meant earlier by because lisa is a celebrity and, and the fact that she uses her celebrity the fact that she has a name and people oh there's lisa and they want to hear what she has to say so yeah. she uses that in such a great way and so you know what other you know favorite memories do you have of some pe- of the
1: people that really made impact in my life is Anthony Robbins, motivational speaker. And you, um, you've done
0: events for him. I've
1: worked with him many, many times. I consider him a little brother because he's just he's just this awesome human. Little being. brother. Well, yeah. He's he so little. Hey, he's younger than me. He's my little brother. Oh, younger! Got I it, got it, got it. And um, he's just an incredible, compassionate, passionate man about wanting people to live their lives to the fullest. And um, Susie Orman, and I, I just adore her. I love people who want to make a difference in other people's lives.
2: Hmm.
1: I've met a lot of celebrities, and I love celebrities that, like you said earlier, will use their name to make a difference in society. And make, so I work with a lot of people who are always contributing, hmm. and that fills my heart. Hmm. And I think if anybody's feeling blue or down or out in life, get off your butt and get out there and give to someone else. I don't care if you bake cookies for your neighbors. I don't care if I take in my neighbors' garbage cans back into the house because they're all, you know, at work. But contribute. Do something for someone else. It's not always about you. Hmm. And I realize it isn't about me, it's about what's around me and what can I do to contribute? What can I do to put a smile on someone's face or put something in their stomach? I have a school, No Limits, after school program, deaf and hard of hearing children. My kids have no language. They come in at five years old, they don't even know their names. Hmm. I refuse to see another child grow up with a hearing loss and not get an education. I lost out on my education. I want to see our kids all have an equal opportunity to a good education.
0: Is that still happening a lot today? Yes. Kids who are hearing impaired are not getting opportunities?
1: Well, I just had a boy that was 8 years old came into the office and his father was saying that they diagnosed him with autism and he just has a hearing loss. Wow. So, and that was not just... He came in two years ago. His name was Ramon. And his father was so passionate about trying to help him. We find out it was just a hearing loss. And now we can't shut him up for anything. <laughs> it's like, how's that, Ramon? The
0: same thing happened to you. you know? Well, I
1: know, it's true. I don't <laughs> shut
0: up. I think some people think that To make a difference, though, means that they have to be able to write out a big old check to some charity. And I like what you just said. That
1: doesn't feel good. That only feels good for the moment. If you go out there and put your hands on something. What do
0: you mean by hands on?
2: No,
1: feeding the homeless. You know, like I went and I fed the homeless in Santa Monica when I first came out to California. And it was my first experience. I guess I don't know where you're supposed to draw the line. But these people were looking at their heads were down... And I said, look at me, I'm talking to you. i got to see your lips. (laughs) Poor homeless people, just feed me already. Leave me alone, lady. But I just like, and before you know it, I'm doing a show at this place. I'm goofing around with everybody. I'm hugging everybody. I stunk like hell by the time I got home, but I didn't care. I didn't care because these are all God's children, and we're supposed to be having fun. And we were celebrating that day, and half of them didn't have their teeth. I asked them if you want me to chew it for you, and then give it back to you. I didn't know what to do <laughs> for these people. But you got, you know what? All of us seems to keep our mouths shut because you know I'm the person who says what you're thinking, hmm. and that's what makes people laugh.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, I say I it like it. I see it.
0: Got it. I get it.
1: Scary, ain't it?
0: Isn't it though? Woo-hoo. So um. You write about your friend Ann Baxter. Who's Ann Baxter?
1: Ann Baxter was an actress. There's a picture I had of it down there. Um, she's the actress who used to play a Moses. Okay. And she was awesome. I remember when I first came to California, she took me to a restaurant where they had all these fancy food, chasing that's mm-hmm. mm-hmm. not here anymore. And they didn't have any menus. They didn't have the price to the menu, the food. Yeah. Right. So I thought everything was free. <laughs> And then I, she says, oh, let me have, here's the one with the price. And I'm going, what do you mean, $5 for corn? Everything you had to order separately? But she was just awesome. But what was funny, she had an assistant, and she was from England. And Dottie was 80 years old, and she was as precious as they came. And I thought Dottie had a speech impediment, because i never heard anybody with an English accent before. Oh, how funny. So I kept correcting her speech with my speech impediment, which is
0: really weird. <laughs> <laughs> she's British.
1: <laughs> and she's drinking a wine, she's drinking a sherry, going, oh, Lord, what is with this kid, you know? So finally, that night, we went back to the house, and I said, Dottie, I want to talk like you. She explained to me, she goes, it's an accent. Now, I never heard anybody with an accent before. So I says, okay, and so what she would do is... She go Buckley, because she always called me by my last name. Right. And then so I started talking like her before you knew it. Oh so gosh. before you knew it, I messed up a cup of tea and bits. So It was quite lovely.
0: Oh, my gosh. That a great, that's a great story. Life is good. What did she teach you?
1: What did she teach me? Anne Baxter. She told me, don't go into acting. Okay. Thank God I'm deaf.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> she taught me... The value of living life. She was living life to the fullest. She really was. She lived life to the fullest. And I watched her passion for it. And I admired that. Hmm. And so she kept her life simple. And I I thought that's what life is about. Keeping it simple. Not getting caught up in things you have no control over. So she was awesome.
0: So that's what that means to keep life simple for you. It means to not...
1: Not create things that are not there. Hmm. You know how many people make plans in their everyday life? You know, you plan something on Monday for Tuesday, you plan on something for Wednesday on Tuesday. You never get to stay in the moment and enjoy what Monday had to offer you. Hmm. And Hmm. the very thing you were looking for on Tuesday was their Monday in the first place. So you missed the opportunity. So get in the moment and enjoy what's here.
0: How easy is it for you to live in that moment? Or do you have to constantly remind yourself of that?
1: Every once in a while I have to kind of... Because I'm human, you mm. know. I mean, every once in a while I go to a negative place. Because I talk to people who have really... My mother, very challenging. I love my mom. But her way of thinking is negative, mm. And it can be very challenging to have to listen to it. Mm. And I would tell her, i go, Mom, ten minutes of negative conversation. If you don't have anything positive, to say, I have to go, mm. honey. Yeah. But don't forget, I love you. Yeah. But she's gotten aware of it. And so... I do have to remind myself sometimes, because sometimes I get off the phone and I'm going, okay, let's shake this off, shake it off, shake it off. Hmm. Because it's not mine, it's hers. I have to remind myself what's mine and what's somebody else's. So to stay in the moment is a pretty cool thing, because if I didn't, I wouldn't be sitting here with you.
0: Right. See, I'm one of the happiest people that I know, but I have to work at it every single day. It doesn't come naturally. Every day I have to work at this. Is it easy for you? Is it natural for you? Yeah, I wake up you? happy.
1: I, I wake up in the morning and dies. My mother craves. Why are you so happy? It's another day! You don't know what surprises lived around the corner. I mean, I'm just, when you've been through as much as I have, you know, retardation, paraplegic, I've had cancer twice. I've been molested as a child. When you go through so much in life, you now know as an adult that no one can hurt you because you are in control of what your environment is. I no longer look to be accepted in other people's environment. I create my own world. You are more than welcome to come into my world, but I'm so tired of trying to convince the hearing people that I can hear good enough, and the deaf people that I can't. I'm in the middle. Right. So hearing people think of me as deaf because I wear hearing aids, deaf people think of me as hearing because I'm all. Right. So I create my world. Hmm. And I like a happy world.
0: So that being happy, you think that's... Kind of a gift that was given to you as well, because you. you no, know,
1: I have. You work at. I work out it by exercising. I put myself in that pool every day when I can.
0: Okay.
1: That pool is something that there's a thing on my wall. that says, "God, if I give all my love away, can I have a refill?" <laughs> that pool is my refill. That's great. I had to figure out what makes me happy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Being in water makes me very happy. Hmm. So I saved for five years to put that pool in my backyard hmm. because of my money was always going to the school for the kids. And then I thought, how am I going to be there for the kids if I'm going to be miserable? So what makes me happy?
2: Right.
1: So I really realized it's a pool and the water. And so I'm joyful. I get to roll out of bed and roll into a pool. Hmm. Today, I swam in the pool with a hard rain and it felt like a little massage. Oh, wow. It was awesome.
0: Okay. I want to talk about your book, which... It's written
1: with a lisp.
0: Is it? <laughs> There's, there's there's a couple of chapters in the book that are, i love the titles of the chapter i can hear the laughter which is that what we were talking about earlier when you yeah. said the first time that you heard that you felt the vibration and yeah. you looked at their faces exactly. and everything exactly okay but then this other one confessions of a deaf catholic
1: oh gosh
0: <laughs> what's that one about
1: oh man you know they put a deaf kid in a catholic church That just should be against the law <laughs> You know, my mom sent me the communion. I had no idea what was going on. And in the church back then, I was trying to lip-read the priest. I didn't know he was speaking in Latin.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: My brother told me years later, he goes, Honey, I didn't understand. They were speaking in Latin. I'm going, Well, crap. But they made me go to communion, and I had no idea what communion was. Mm. When you're limited in language, but most importantly with communication, you just follow people. You become a mimic. Right. So, my mom opened the curtain for me to go into communion, and it's just, to close the curtain, and there's this dark room, and my only thought was, God must be in here. <laughs> and he's not happy with right? me. And then this little thing opens up, and then just, but I could barely see anything. I just saw a little bit of light come through, and I'm going, oh, jeez. So, I sat there, and I'm like, okay, um, hi. <laughs> And I, got, I left. I didn't know what to do. So my mom said, well, what did he say? And I said, nothing. Well, and she goes, well, how many prayers? I go, I don't know. And she goes, but well, did you tell him your sins? And I go, what are sins? She goes, get in there and tell him your sins. I'm like, oh, Christ, look on her face. Sin looks bad.
2: Right.
1: So I go back in there and I'm like, um, I sinned. Gotta go. <laughs> I, I ducked. I left. I didn't know if something was going to come at me or what, lightning bolt? So I came back out. My mom goes, what did you do? And she goes, Mom, I told him my sins. Well, what, you ta- what sins did you tell him? I said, I don't know which ones I had. <laughs> and she says, well, you fight with your brother and you argue with your mother. And I'm going, that's it. I'm doomed. <laughs> now I actually have sins. So I go back in there, and he's, I told him what had happened, that I had fight with my brother, I argue with my mother, and I came back out. And my mom says, how many? And I'm like, this is not an easy thing, this Catholic stuff. <laughs> so he says, how many what? How many? What? She goes, go back in. and As she was, I was going back in, the priest came out, and he goes, don't let her back in.
0: <laughs> you got a revolving door <laughs> here for you.
1: And the funny thing was, is you go in, and you have? they give you the communion, mm-hmm. that little piece of wafer thing. Right. that thing sticks on the top of your tongue, <laughs> you of your mouth like peanut butter. That stayed with me for a quarter of a day. <laughs> Catholic is not the way for me to go.
0: What's, what's the overall message and theme? What do you want people to get out of reading your book?
1: No matter how challenging something in life is, it has a time limit. And it's up to you as to how long you want to put that time on it. And you know, women, we can drag on something negative for the next full moon. right? Mm-hmm. But it is up to us. When something comes into your life that doesn't fit... Look at it. Don't gossip about it. Don't tell the whole world about it. The more you talk about it, the more life you give it. And it grows its own arms and legs to the point where it will take over you. So when something negative comes into your life, you look at it, and the first thing you do is, what is the solution? What's the solution? How do I put an end to this now? And nine times out of ten, it'll be like I had to learn that when somebody upsets me, I've learned to go right to them and say, look, I heard you say this, this and this. Is this what you meant? And the person might say yes or the person might say no. I may have misinterpreted something. And I wouldn't say yes, that's what I meant. And well that really hurt me. Are we still having a relationship? Are you my friend? Is this the end? What happened? I want closures to anything negative in my life. But I also realize that no matter how good something in life is, that too can have a time limit. So you better get in the moment and enjoy it. So my message is to people, no matter how challenging life is, it's up to you what you want the outcome is. Don't wait for what the outcome is. You make the outcome. Hmm. It's up to you. It's your choice. That was the gift that was given to me when I died, and I would give that gift to anyone on this earth. The gift of choice is unlimited. You can use it any time you want. If you make a wrong choice, you get to rectify it with another one. There's no limit to it.
0: Is that sort of what you mean by your comment, get over it and get on with it?
1: Well, as the Italians would say, or share, snap out of it!
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, back to what you were saying, that there's things happen to you, and uh, you kind of have to put a time limit on it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know if this is a fair question to ask. Are there certain things that, because I'm sure people want to get more advice from you um, are there certain things that could happen to a person and you would say, okay, you know what, with that, you get three days. You know, you, 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 can, you can mourn, you can scream, you can throw a tantrum, yeah. you know, because that happened to you, you got three days. Or that one, you only get an hour. Or this one, you get a month.
1: I do. I, uh, sometimes I can wake up and be really sad, you know, and, and I like feel like, okay, is this what depression is? If it is, then um, I get the blues and I go, okay. And then I said, all right, I'll give you 24 hours. You don't have to do anything today. You can lay on the couch. You can veg out in front of the TV. You can do whatever you want.
2: Okay.
1: But I'm going to give you X amount of time. And then I said, well, maybe sometimes, like I say, okay, 4 o'clock. That's it. Till 4 o'clock, you can have whatever you want. And by 2 o'clock or something like that, I'm like, I'm over this. This is crazy.
0: Right.
1: And I got to move on. Right. But, um, yes, I do give myself a time limit. Now, when I was being molested when I was young... How old were you? I was 12. 11, 12. Uh, my body was changing. I had no idea what my body was going through. Nobody explained to me that the body was going to change. They didn't say you were going to have periods. They did say you were going to grow boobs. I'm still waiting for that. Um, for menopause to get me that. And <laughs> but um, I went back and confronted the person. And... I realized I thought I took care of it, and then I didn't. And I went back three different occasions to take care of it because I needed it out of my life.
0: Over the years, you did. Yeah, over the years. Well. Wow.
1: Because you think you got it taken care of, but it's like they say the muscles stores memory. I believe that. You know, yeah. and it's like you know, if there's somebody in your life that shoes gum and it's you know, and it's annoying as heck. And then you meet somebody, and all of a sudden you hear that sound. You can't help but to think about the person who always made it annoying. So right. it, it triggers memories.
0: You transfer it.
1: And I didn't realize that when I was having, trying to have a relationship, certain things they would do would make me freak out, and I couldn't figure out what the freak out was.
0: Got
1: it. And then the memories came back, and so I went back and confronted this person on three different occasions. And about we made peace, and I told them on the third occasion, I said, From here on out, it will no longer be our conversation. Hmm. We're gonna have a wonderful relationship from here on out. Hmm. Because this is a family member. Hmm. So about three years ago, I made this care package for this person at Christmas. And I made all these gifts for him because he had really a bad he was having a bad challenge in his life. And I made all these gifts and I wrapped them up and I send them out to him and I get a phone call and goes, What's all of this? I go, It's Christmas. And I says, um, Well, what am I supposed to do with all this? There are a bunch of stuff. I says, Well, every morning you get up, you open a package. So about the fourth day, he calls me up and he's crying on the phone. I've never heard this man cry before. And I says, Hey, what's the matter? He says, My tree, it looks beautiful. And he had like, What, a foot tree? All these packages? He goes, All the colors and the bows. And he goes, I get up in the morning, I make my cereal, and I put the package in front of me, and I look at it, and I shake it, and I try to guess what it is. And I heard this five year old little boy, come out of this 70-something-year-old man. And I said, well, that's wonderful. And I felt so touched that I was able to bless him. Hmm. And so when I hung up, I started crying. And I realized it wasn't him that was blessed. It was me. Because not only did I forgive, I got to the point where I forgot, and I'm able to love this person unconditionally in spite of. What happens in the past stays in the past. It's up to you. And I did. I carried the tradition of it in my head and not knowing it until I took care of it. You are responsible for your happiness. You are responsible for your changes. And the best way to go forward in life and not have a ball and chain, the key is forgiveness. Hmm. Move forward.
0: Do you advocate that you can forgive somebody but also choose to never have them in your life again?
1: Well, there are people that I've chose, you know, and there are people who chose not to be in my life. Mm-hmm. There are people that you just can't communicate with. There are just some people who will never hear you. Mm -hmm. And I've had those people in my life, and I just said, okay, that's okay. That's your choice. I'm going to respect your choice, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to respect myself more because the love I'm trying to give you, it keeps bouncing back. Mm -hmm. So I'm not closing any doors, but when you're ready for me, you can come back.
0: Got
1: it. You know. But no, I haven't closed any doors on anybody I like. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: <Okay>. <laughs> At what point did you uh, realize that your performance on a stage doing comedy could actually then become another career, so to speak, as a motivational speaker?
1: That was a fluke. <laughs> they have a thing called the ADA Law, Americans with Disabilities Act, and they had a, a speaker's bureau because people with disabilities were supposed to do the speaking about having people with disabilities. And they had this book that was, like, about 10 inches high. And I don't like to read. I didn't get the proper education, so I couldn't comprehend it. And they had pie charts and all that was over my head. So what ends up happening is I go out to these corporations, and I'm trying to tell them to hire people with disabilities, and I'm trying to use the pie chart, and I'm saying all the swearing words left and right because I'm nervous as heck. I'm going, oh, geez, and this and this and shit and all over the place. And you know? I was just... I was nervous. I'm standing in front of hearing people. And I'm scared. and I'm trying to teach them something I really don't understand. And then what ended up happening, I thought, you know what? Why not just tell them about me and my challenges and have them understand the passion behind an individual with a disability and what they have to go through? Why not be truthful? Why try to teach them something I don't understand? And it just took off from there.
0: What advice do you have? Because I, I love people who... Have a, a gift, have a talent for disarming people for, yeah, that's for fun. diffusing people I'm in awe of people who somebody could do or say something you know negative towards that person and they don 't react, they respond and sometimes how they respond is in a way that disarms the person. What advice do you have for that because you you 've learned how to disarm people i mean through humor, through love, through hugs, through all kinds yeah. of ways. What advice do you have on teaching people how to diffuse situations.
1: That's challenging. It's challenging because half of the time you react on your emotions and the emotions take you to a place like, oh my gosh, how do I take that back? Mm. It's like me, I have that thing I don't have that thing that stops your brain in your mouth. You know, it just comes out and I hear it for the first time right along with you.
0: Honey, that that's not just for people who have disabilities. No, that's I'm for not. the rest of us have that too <laughs> So saying. we're we're all impaired with I'm, that one. I'm always
1: <laughs> getting my foot in my mouth and I'm like, "Geez, I gotta follow those nails. But it's it's I think the best way is to be truthful in the moment. And and kiss yourself and just say, whoa, wait a minute, that's not who I want to be. That's not who I want to be, it's who I might have been. I see stuff that comes out of me that scares me every once in a while because somebody might trigger something, a panic that I must experience in the past. And it's the thing that you want to, you're always building yourself, you're always trying to teach yourself. It's not something you can all of a sudden Read a book and say, okay, this is it, this is how I'm going to do it. No, 24 hours a day, you have to wash your mouth, you have to wash yourself, you have to wash your emotions, and you have to be aware of yourself, that's all. And if something comes up, don't beat yourself up over it, and boy, I know I do sometimes, and I have to go, okay, that happened, how are you going to put peace with that? Because the person I have to make peace with 90% of the time is me. Right. So I think it's just a matter of making a commitment.
0: Hmm. What is some of the biggest misperceptions that you would like to clear with people about hearing impaired or, or any kind of a disadvantage?
1: I think the, probably the biggest disadvantage that are out there today are attitudes. What whether, do you mean by that? Whether it's toward judging people, labeling people. I mean, attitudes would be, people have put limitations on me because they didn't think I could do something if they were in my situation. I've done it myself to other people, and I've had to learn. I've worked with so many people with disabilities all over this country, and I am amazed at what people can do. And just because I don't think I can do it if I was in this situation, who am I to judge? Who am I to limit them? Who am I to have the attitude to belittle somebody because they're different? I have a goofy thing that I do, and that is, I love to know about what other people's belief systems are. I don't judge you for being Catholic or Christian or doing the Jewish thing. I like to know what did you believe, what makes you passionate about life, what makes you feel secure and know what's looking over you, what makes you pray. So I go to a lot of churches when I travel. I went to Buddhism church. I went to a temple. I go anywhere that they won't close the door on me. Right? You know, I bring cookies so they don't close the door on me. But um, <laughs> I think attitude is probably the biggest thing that's out there it can be a good one or a bad one and it's up to you with how you want to drive it
0: actually i would like you to talk about that a little bit more because whenever i'm in front of my own students that come to my schools um, i'm always saying you know if i were to line up here on the stage leaders of the beauty industry and ask them hey in hiring. One of our graduates, what's more important to you, their skill and their talent or their attitude? You know, what are they going to say? And and the whole audience, they know. It's it's attitude. I'm going to get further ahead in life because of having a good positive attitude. What advice do you have or thoughts do you have about that?
1: Oh, I believe in that. I mean, having a positive attitude is a choice. Now, there are some people that actually just have it naturally. And I want to slap them silly (laughs) because they don't have to work for it. You know? Right. But I have to work at it at a point because I've had so many judgments put upon me that there's still memories in my muscles. Got it. But I believe that you can have a good attitude and it's just a matter of making a choice. I mean, I tell you, like your book said, be nice or else. Being nice on a regular basis will give you a positive attitude. Mm -hmm. You know, laughing at nothing will give you a positive attitude. Mm. I wake up in the morning and I, the first thing that comes out of my mouth, Good morning, Jehovah! What do we have in store for me today? <laughs> you know, and a big smile goes on my face. Mm. And then I get up and I make sure, if you physically make yourself smile, even if you don't have nothing to smile about, mm. physicality, your body will start feeling joy.
0: Your body reacts, yeah.
1: And then you would start bringing in the attitude. I think the thing that gives me a positive attitude, and I know it may sound goofy, is feeding myself properly, not getting all the bad food in me, Mm because that can do something to me emotionally, exercising, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: surrounding myself with wonderful people, especially kids. Kids are amazing to me. They just come up with the darnest things, I swear. I mean, they have little lips. They always look like they're whispering, and I want to smack them, but that's against the law. But, yeah, I think attitude is a choice. I think it's a choice. I believe that. My heart, is, it's up to you what you want to believe. And one of the things that changed my attitude was, I had a journal, and in the journal, every night before I went to bed, I would have to write in it all my blessing for that day. Okay. And there were days where I didn't feel like I had any blessing. And I just didn't feel like, well, this is a bad day. And I just wrote in there and I said, you know what, I woke up this morning, And the day is over with. So that was your blessing? Yeah, that was my blessing. The day is over with. Let's start new tomorrow.
0: You still do that? You still journal like that?
1: I do it in my head. Okay. And I I think right now is a blessing. I get to meet an incredible human being. Mm -hmm. I get to share. We get to hopefully make a difference in somebody else's life with our conversation.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. How much better can life get? Mm -hmm. We're making our contributions. This is a gift. So this is a treasure for me. So this is absolutely a blessed day. Mm -hmm. It is true, though. I mean, I think the best gift, i never forget a woman asking me, she goes, well, what's the best gift you can give your child? And everybody says, oh, love, love. And I says, love is nothing. No, the best gift you can give a child is to be an example of what happiness is. Hmm. Be an example. Kids learn from what you do, not what you say.
2: Hmm.
1: So be an example. Be joyful. Be successful. Be giving. Let them see the best of you, Mm. and they will follow that. Mm. You know, you can't tell somebody, now you better be happy. It's like my mom, she's just always negative. I always thought it was my responsibility to make her happy. And what I found out, I got miserable. Mm. So one day I said, well, you know what, why don't you just be happy and be the example? And it's amazing to watch the transformation. Because now she sees somebody happy and giving... And that's something she's not used to seeing. Mm-hmm. And so she's starting to learn without having to say anything. You can't tell somebody what to be. Mm-hmm. But you can give them choices. You can give them opportunities by sharing. I have a beautiful godchild, Julia. And she's 15 now. And I've learned more from her than anybody in my life.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, she's, and it goes both ways because we have total communication. We talk about anything and everything. And I believe that every parent should give that to their child before they go to bed at night. Anything on your mind, anything you want to share. And I think parents should share with their kids who they are. You know, when I was a kid, I went through this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. And I had this bike, and oh my gosh, I was so excited about giving you this bike because I know the joy I got when I got it when I was your age. You know, talk with them. Share with them. Don't talk at them. So many parents do this. Now, don't you do this, 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 and this, and this. That's not communication. I can go to the army and get that. So I, I believe that um, total communication and being the best example possible for your child, that's what they're going to learn for.
0: What a great answer. I like to, in the seminars, you know, say that there's three ways you teach people. And you know, also, everybody write them down, write this down. So they're already right down. it's by example, by example, by example. Oh,
1: really? That's great.
0: Well, I mean, I think it's people. True. Yeah, living a life. You, we have this culture that's it's this be nice culture. It's a culture of acknowledging and celebrating victories rather than acknowledging when people screw up. And you know, we have what we call caught you boards in all of our locations where yeah. you know, people write them up. If, they, if I caught you doing something right, I'm going to write it up as yeah. opposed to most cultures you're written up if you do something wrong. wrong. And so I ask them, you know, sometimes you go home and mom and dad are like, okay, what's going on? Why are you so happy now? You know, is this happening to you? Why are you so happy right now? And they're saying, yeah, you know, things have changed at home too because mom and dad see that I'm a different person.
1: It makes a huge difference. It gives them hope. It really does.
0: I I can imagine you in front of a women's group because, I mean, for you, people can point to your impairment. They can point to it and say, "Well, well, this is what held her back. Oh, and then she got ran over, and then she went through cancer. And then so people can point to it. But what about a woman where... Nothing's really happened to her. Does that make sense? But of course she still might inside feel all of that.
1: But you know what? That's just it. You don't have to have the physical experience to have the sadness in your heart. Hmm. Everybody has the things that they go through. You know, um, My physical challenges, whether a hearing loss or run over or molested, whatever it might be, there were nothing more than gifts in hmm. many ways. Because it gave me strength, it gave me the courage, it gave me an understanding to know what this is. gift called life is to be lived. Mm-hmm. Not to be put down, not to be put in the grave before my time. It is to be lived. And I believe that people have a tendency, I've met people who've had the perfect life, the wonderful parents, and everything like that. But it doesn't mean there's not something that's hurting their heart. Mm-hmm. And it could be that they need to, you know, and one of the things I had to learn, it's a hard thing to learn, too. I'm a fix-it person. Hmm. I want to fix everything for everybody. one day I realized I was helping this person out, and I had to ask God, I said, God, am I getting in the way of what she's supposed to learn? I have to know what to fix and what not to fix, and I also have to learn that if I'm going to help somebody, they have to ask. Because I find that sometimes you want to help somebody because you see what needs to be fixed, doesn't necessarily need to be fixed, hmm. and that person's not ready for it. So I have to learn to sometimes to step back. And so I've learned over the years that if you want my help, let's talk about it. Or if I see something that needs to be done, I'll say, well, you know, can I give a suggestion? It's really important how you approach people that are going through challenging times. And it's, can I give a suggestion? If the person says no, respect it. Mm-hmm. I would love my mom, and I respect the choices that she makes. And if she chooses to have a negative vocabulary, then I can't stop that. But I can change the way I want to look at it, mm-hmm. and I don't want it to affect me.
0: And by not affecting you, you kind of broke that cycle, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah and we have the most. Inco- we had a hard relationship growing up. Mm-hmm but we have the most beautiful relationship today. Hmm. And it's all because I took the label mom off of her.
0: What do you mean by that?
1: Well, we all put labels on people and we have expectations of them.
0: Because of the label? The
1: labels. And when I took the label mom off of her, I said, who are you? And I saw this scared little girl. Oh my gosh. Who used a mouth to hide her fear. And I just said, well, I'm going to love you in spite of you. I'm going to love you whether you love yourself or not. And that's what I've learned to do. And just recently, she trusts my love. She doesn't trust anybody, but I would do anything for her. And she knows that now. And I've fought my whole life for her to love me. And she's never going to be the mommy kind of person. And I am the mom now. And she's my little girl. And that's Perfectly fine with me because all I wanted was to love her. Hmm. What a gift to give yourself. Wow.
0: I've thought about that a lot, you know, about labels and I've talked about it in seminars and I do these little activities where I put these labels on people but they don't know what their label says but they yeah. know, they see each other's oh, labels and okay. they treat each other according to that and they don't, can't understand why, why are you treating me this way? But they don't know what their label says. Oh, wow. But I've never heard somebody talk about how Maybe we need to remove the label of mom from our own biological mother to be able to, or from dad to be able to love dad and Anyone, see him in a different even your way. Boss.
1: Wow. You know, people go home from work. My boss was an idiot today. He was driving me crazy. Then wait a minute. Let's take the label boss off. Maybe something happened in his personal life, and he just mm-hmm. didn't know how. He directed in the wrong direction, and you were the target. Don't ever really take anything too hard. That's not yours. You know, you don't know what another person is going through. Mm. Be respectful. Let them go through what they have to, but don't take it with you. It's not yours. Does that make sense?
0: It makes a lot of sense.
1: But people do. They go home and they go, he was so mean and da 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 da, da and then they carry it on for three, four days, then they can't face the person, and then they want to diss him and that. This is why people get stressful. Yeah. They start judging. One of the worst things that people can do in their life for me they think for somebody else. I wonder if he's thinking this. He could be thinking that. I'm going to tell you something. Don't flatter yourself. Nobody's thinking about you.
2: <laughs>
1: but you waste oh. so much time worrying about what somebody else is thinking. That that person, especially if it's a guy, believe me when I tell you, he's not thinking a dumb thing.
0: <laughs> is that so funny? I have to read this part again okay. so that I get it right. Because... uh you are very philanthropic, and it is important to you, and it is who you are to give back. And so, just you know, by way of more information about you, that you serve as the national spokesperson for No Limits, which is... Is that your non-profit? Did you start that organization? No, I
1: worked with it. We started um, Michelle Adams, Chrissy Adams. She started this school. We started it out of the, um, a theater group. Okay. For deaf and hard of hearing children. And then she led it into this after school program. She's an incredible, incredible pathologist, and that's where she started out and she's just been amazing. And I've been totally supporting the school with her.
0: How many kids? How many
1: spokesperson. So how
0: many kids are
1: We have uh, I think fifty some families, but we have three hundred and twenty families waiting. We just don't have the finances to
0: keep it well, going. Well. How do you raise money for that?
1: We we have walkathons, we have galas, you know, whatever we can in, we get what we can.
0: What's your budget in a year? Do you have any idea?
1: Well, each child costs us about $10,000 a okay. year. Uh, Washington Mutual Bank, which is now Chase, they had donated two top floors of their building in Culver City and that's where the school is so wow. we don't have to pay rent and we don't wow. pay utilities so we're very, very blessed wow. in that way.
0: You also received the Woman of the Year Award from the Oralíngua School, yeah. American Hero Award from the City of Hope as the Role Model of the Year. Toastmasters International Communication and Leadership Award, Dole Foundation Media Awareness Award for your dedication to people with disabilities, National Council on Communicative Disorders, Individual Achievement Award, and the Here Now, Help America Here Award for your commitment to children. And I just
1: got that award a couple of weeks ago, the Jennifer Diamond Gift of Life Award for the um, Jennifer Diamond Cancer Foundation. I Two, like that one. It's a big diamond.
0: That's beautiful.
1: Thank
0: you. Two bouts with cancer, and you actually chose a different path for recovery. Yeah. You, you chose a holistic path. I mean, I'm sure you did. Well, the sure first did, one but, I okay, did. Okay, right.
1: The first one I didn't, because I didn't understand. Again, when I had it, I didn't understand what was going on. When the doctor told me, he didn't use the word cancer, he used another word for cancer, and it was like, well, what's that? And he said cancer. When somebody said that... Right. Why is it that cancer automatically goes into your mind as death? Right. And it shouldn't. It should mm. go in your mind, okay, we got a disease, we got to work with this, right. how can we make it fit Well, I went through the surgery and everything, and then the second time, the doctor, six months later, the doctor called me up and said, we didn't get it all. And that's when I went back and started giving back everybody stuff that I was carrying. The person who molested me, I went back to that person. I went back to my mom taught her thing. I went back to anybody, my brother who, you know, who I love and adore, anybody that I thought that I was holding on to the negativity stuff. And I started giving everything back. I changed my diet. I changed my attitude and I started saying, you know what, I'm gonna take charge of my life. I am so sick and tired of everybody poking and probing me, telling me what's wrong with me. I need to find out what's right with me.
2: Mm-hmm
1: and find out what is my passion, what is my desire, what makes me happy, what brings me joy, what puts a smile on my face. I have always been surrounded with kids. I have 13 kids in the neighborhood that call me Aunt Kathy. Mm -hmm. I hate Christmas. Um, (laughs) God has always blessed me with a child in my life. I have a little boy across the street that I adore. His name is Tyler. He's five years old. He can have a little brother at the end of the month. Mm. The parents are so cute. She said, now you're going to be home at the end of the month. because she's going to have induced labor. So she goes, I want to make sure that you're going to be here. So they made it around so that I can be here to take care of Tyler. Mm-hmm. So I've always find out, you have to find out what you, what makes you happy. And if you really think about it, I realize it has to be things that brought you joy when you were a kid. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that brought me great joy when I was a kid was humming. Because I love the vibration. So humming my thing. And swimming, those are my, I love being in water, and I said I should be able to keep those things in my life. Hmm. When I'm in this house alone, I swear, if you had a video camera in here, they would just lock her up. <laughs> Get that jacket on her, put her away. <laughs> the noise that I make by myself is amazing. Yeah.
0: So that, what you just described, all of that you just described, of, first of all, you know, going back, if you were holding on to some anger, to go back to those people, to kind of clean those things up. I
1: gave it all back to them because yeah. I believe that stress causes cancer.
0: Okay, so that was your holistic approach to all of that? That
1: was my holistic approach, was to let go.
0: Okay,
1: or Let go of stuff that's not mine.
0: How fabulous for people to learn that lesson without having to have cancer on their plates as well.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: I mean, you don't have to wait to have cancer to then do the stuff that you just recommended.
1: Yeah. It's like, well, it's like wow. so many people, there. you hear that term, they're carrying a lot of baggage. Yeah. Well, why don't you just open it up and take a look what's in it instead of carrying it and then find out what's yours mm. and what's not.
0: Right.
1: And give it back for them.
0: Wow, what a you know, process.
1: You know, it is a process, but you want to know something? When I looked at my mom and my dad they both did the best they could with what they had. Who mm-hmm. am I to judge to say that if I was raising me, it would be I would have done this, this, and this, and this?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, well, because you know what you need now, but you didn't know what you need when you were a kid, mm-hmm. and neither did they.
2: Yeah.
1: They weren't educated about my deafness. They didn't understand. So who am I to judge them when I still had food in my stomach and clothes on my back and a roof over my head? Yeah. So they didn't know how to love and hug and be affectionate, you know? That's Okay. They're still my parents.
2: Hmm.
1: It says in the Bible to honor your parents. Hmm. So I moved 3,000 miles away. (laughs) I didn't know I was honoring myself.
0: (laughs) No, I believe that too. I call my mom and dad every single day. Me too. Yeah. My dad's 83. My mom's 81. I mean, how much longer am I going to be able to have that gift?
1: Who am I to say, Mom, you did this wrong. You did that wrong. Right. You know, wait a minute. We baked cookies. You know, the more you think about the negative stuff, you forget the good stuff.
0: You know, nowadays, when I... My parents live in Utah. They live out of state. So, of course, when I go there, I stay with them.
2: Yeah.
0: And I turn down all of the dinners, so I don't see anybody else while I'm there. I just want to be with mom and dad. But yeah. all my siblings live there. They all live close by. And so, yeah, they get together with mom and dad, but it's for dinner. I'm telling them, like, you know what, pack a bag. Even though you live down the street, pack a bag and go spend a couple... Of Nights at mom and dad's house because it's this that's, whole, oh, it's this wonderful. comedy routine at night. It's hilarious, <laughs> and first thing in the morning, it's just and they're missing out on all of that. It's hilarious, <laughs> the whole thing. So, well,
1: no, it's, it's, we really should learn to respect truth in our lives.
0: So, if you were in front of a bunch of kids, let's say I don't know sixteen to twenty five, what would your message be to them? What's what's the thing 25 you're
1: really would be
0: just young adults,
1: young adults. Don't be a follower. Don't try to fit in where you really don't fit in. Find out what your passion is. Find out what your desire is. When I do colleges, I always raise, ask my students, my audience, I go, how many of you are afraid of your future? And almost every hand goes out mm-hmm. And then I ask them, I say, so how many of you are picking your career choice, believe that whatever career choice you make today is for the rest of your life, and they all, their hands go up. Oh, wow. And then I asked them, I said, so how many of you picked your career choice out of somebody else's suggestion? <sighs> A good portion of the hands go up, OK? I you know. Wow. And then I said, well, let's think about it. Let's pretend everybody's 20 years old. And I says, now, you're 20 years old. You just left mom and dad's house. After all these years of them telling you how to wash your ears and do this, do that, and now you're in college, and you can't figure it out if the fabric softener goes in the washer or the dryer. <laughs> and you're going to tell me you're going to make a career choice for the rest of your life? Hmm. I tell them, I said, look, every choice you make is for today. Hmm. Whether you want to keep giving that good choice life, that's what you go for. But I know doctors and lawyers who've gone through college, opened up their own classes, and are now stand-up comics. Wow. So, nothing is permanent. Don't stress yourself out. Enjoy the journey.
0: Wow. Now, let's say you're in front of a bunch of bosses who have control over work environments employing a bunch of women. What would your message be to those bosses?
1: Anybody who's in charge of anyone in a workforce needs to learn how to be grateful and appreciative. Mm -hmm. They need to give compliments. They mean to say thank you. You did a great job. I really appreciate it. Because the more you're grateful and appreciative to your employees, the more they want to do for you. Hmm. But the more you just dish out the mouth, the more they're going to back up. That always saying, what is it? Honey attracts flies or whatever the heck. You're hearing people come up with more saying. Like, I came into I've this. Never, world. Well,
0: I never got that one <laughs> either, so you're okay.
1: And not only that, but every once in a while be giving.
0: What do you mean you know, by that? What would that treat look lunch. like?
1: Wow. Treat a lunch. Mm-hmm. Give a gift card to a, a restaurant. You know, mm-hmm. you want the employees to work for you, and you want them to be trustworthy. The more you're giving and caring mm-hmm. and appreciative, the more they're going to... What you give is what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. That's all there is to it.
0: It's a law of the universe. Yeah. Not just the law for good bosses. Exactly. You know, sometimes a boss thinks, well, I gave them a bonus, therefore I rewarded them.
1: Well, that's the same saying, like, when I make a contribution, I write a check. You did nothing.
0: Right, I hear you. Yeah, connection,
1: someone, human connection.
0: I heard uh, someone say that what they do is they find out what's important to their employees. And based on what's important to that individual is what they will give to them. So, like, this person, they might like a, a favorite band. And so yeah. they find out that that band is coming in concert. And so they buy two tickets and say, here, go... I that's mean, the way you do it.
1: Yeah. Know who your employees are. Know who they are. You mm-hmm. won't know them if you're talking at them. It'd be like living with mom and dad again.
0: <laughs> and <laughs> and no,
1: no employees should be afraid of their employers. Right. You know, there should be no fear in the workforce.
0: It seems like that's kind of what rules the day, though.
1: Yeah, it does.
0: Yeah. That's why I love the beauty industry, which, you know, of course, many people are going to hear this interview, but it's primarily the beauty industry. We get to break those rules. You know, in, in other industries, if you're laughing and having fun at work, what does that mean? You're not doing no, your working. job. In the beauty industry, I heard it said that hairdressers go to work every day with the intention of having fun.
1: Yeah.
0: So, which is great. It's beautiful. That's wonderful. Yeah.
1: So that's why my hair is
0: messed up. <laughs> we're just hey, having, we're having fun. we
1: so much fun that we're now laugh- I got this little toupee thing going.
0: <laughs> we're laughing behind you when you're not welcome. <laughs> Kathy, do you have a final message for our listeners?
1: If I can give you one gift, that would be the gift to know that you are truly loved and to know that in your heart because to love yourself would be the best example you can give anybody in the world. So loving that gift that I got when I believed that I passed away is probably the most precious thing I could have ever received to live my life to the fullest today. So love yourself. Love yourself enough to know that when you're loving someone else, it's being received. So my final message would be, believe in yourself, love yourself first and foremost, and enjoy life to the max. It is truly a gift that is given to us. Thanks sweetheart. You are so welcome, you are such a gift, God bless you.